This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan. And if you are hearing our voices or seeing our faces, if you're watching on YouTube, welcome to the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, October 20th. Brendan, the baseball playoffs rolling on. We have the championship series going on. The, uh, boisterous Philadelphia Phillies finally take an L in this championship series. Uh, first game in Arizona. I know a, a favorite ballpark of yours. Houston, Texas uh, battling for the entire state, I believe, as well as the American League championship. And uh, a slow trickle of Cubs rumors so far to kind of pace the offseason. But we're we're close, Brendan. It's almost the World Series which means it's almost time for the offseason to I, kick into gear. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want it to start. I'm, I feel so light, so happy, so free, not worrying about this team right now. So I'm enjoying just like the breather, the vacation of not following this team on a day-to-day basis, even though I still kind of do, even though I'm kind of lying to you right now in, in, in denial, but I'm not stressing about the day-to-day. Right. Uh, This is also a little inside baseball for everybody. This is Uh. the same person who texted me. I think it was last night at 10 p.m. Central Time. Uh, was not just 10 wild thoughts about the it was not 10 p- <laughs> that was not my fault. I was I was instigated by a friend of ours, so right. not my fault. Right. They were right comments though. Tell me where the where the lie was in that. Well, I think to your point, the I think. I think a lot of us are excited for this offseason. I'm excited for this offseason. But that being said, as we've discussed, a lot of work to do. And, you know, we'll get into some of that today. One of the first things I want to talk about, uh, some of the rumors uh, with the Boston Red Sox and Craig Breslow. And I think Brendan is uh, the perfect person to ask kind of, um, you know, there's still just rumors at this point, but he does have very strong ties there. I believe he and his family still live there. Um, and there's a lot of smoke to that fire. Um, so something we should talk about. And of course, by the time you listen to this, he may have been hired or declined the position. So always keep up to date. It's probably going to happen. So I do want to talk about that because I think you're, uh, you know, maybe uniquely qualified to at least offer uh, a compliment from you. I could make it backhand. I didn't finish. Well, you could. No, uh, I I do want to talk about that just in case it does happen. Um, Want to talk about the 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 effect that that might have, or maybe some changes might have on the pitching infrastructure, the pitching staff, and and I think that'll lead us into a discussion. Um, you know, kind of just looking at the state of the Cubs pitching staff, and then looking at the arbitration projections, the uh, salary projections for next year, getting into some, kind of some of the luxury it's tax a lot. stuff. I don't know that we're going to be able to cover all of it in one episode, but I think uh, if we're looking at benefits of the Cubs not playing, and there are none, right? We want them in the playoffs all the time. But for our purposes, heading into what should be a big offseason or what needs to be a big offseason, right, for this organization, uh, it does give us some time to kind of lay the groundwork for what is going to happen when the gates open and players can be traded, players can be signed, we're going to get some option decisions, things like that. So want to touch on uh, some of that, at least in this week's episode. Yeah. First, though, Brendan, I want to know what is on the table for you? What are you going to do if Dansby Swanson and or 
Nico Horner do not win their respective gold gloves. Both were nominated. What happens? And before anybody asks, I just don't think Brendan cares that much whether Ian Happ also wins his second gold glove. I, I'm done following baseball. This will be the last podcast oh, I ever do. You have to find a new a new podcast. I may move out of the country. Right. I may move. I've always wanted to move to like a desert, cold environment, you know, just let myself be in isolation. I may move to the North Pole, South Pole. I may be Good. done. I, right. This may be it for me. Now, now, notoriously, I think you are on record quite frequently as being a Wilson man. I am. So Wilson, not Contreras. Wilson, th- no, the glove 2000. brand. Yes, yeah, just, clar- just clarify yes, that. Well, yeah. that's the issue. The issue is that it's sponsored by Rawlings. So there's an inherent degree of corruption already. So, of course, Nico did not win it last year. The only reason that Dansby won it last year because he was just too good. They would have been outed if he did not win the gold glove last year. So when you have some of the fringe ratings, they give it to the Rollins guy. That's what happens. And those gloves suck, by the way. Let me tell you, those Rollins gloves are floppy pancakes. Not good. Uh, I did not. I I don't have a baseball history. You did did not what, Corey? You did not what? Say it. Say it. I did not play baseball. You did not play uh, baseball. Okay. I did not. Yeah. Um, unlike I, I Brendan, did. who was a yeah. star shortstop, and he's happy to remind oh, you of yeah. that. I was. You know, yada, yada, yada. I did work in multiple MLB front offices, but I digress. But can you um, turn a double play? Can you turn a double play? You cannot. No. With Dansby, I think I could. I think he could pull it out of me. Maybe actually, maybe he could. I fed a lot of good. BP. I think I could feed him coming toward the bag, and he handles the rest. I think I Weren't can do Weren't you that. a coach for one game? Not to get too off track here, but you were a coach for one game, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, there's there was sort of loose rules down there, but I, yeah, I did do some bench. Did coach, you wear your baseball pants in the Dominican high Republic or low? Were you a high socks guy, or low socks guy? I think low. I didn't have them. I didn't have the full. You you, this was a spur of the moment thing, you know. Oh. Okay. So. Well, you always got to be ready. I was Should've down there them. to do scouting and player development, not to be in the dugout. It's a long story of how I ended up in there, but yeah. And now you're talking to me on a, on a Thursday night. I'm sorry. Right. Well, and actually, just as a fun tidbit, I actually do have somewhat of a rooting interest. I, I, do, I don't know him at all, and I barely knew him uh, even when we were at the complex together. But I did live at the complex in Boca Chica in the Dominican Republic with the Texas Rangers when I was mm-hmm. working for them uh, with Jose LeClerc, who now closes us. games for the Texas Rangers. So uh, he Would he definitely... remember your name? No. No. no way. Okay. No. Maybe your face? We interacted with the players a lot, but there's obviously a lot of players at those complexes, um, you know, working and doing all that stuff. And so, like, this was at this point, you know, what, 10 years ago? Over 10 years Longer ago? Longer than that. So, no way. We're getting yeah. old. Um, but at the time, you know, like, I did kind of know him and stuff like that. He, always a very, the, the main point being, he was always a very nice guy, and I have no reason not to root for him. So, I don't really have yeah. a rooting interest left. Our enemies are gone. The brewers are they gone. Are. There. other enemies um but yeah i i'm happy for jose leclerc so he was always a nice guy so as far as i know well he's the reason he's having uh, success because of you you Me. helped him get to that point absolutely so the rangers yes. owe you a potential ring if they win i will take it yeah um 
anyway, very off the rails here in the first eight minutes. Uh, but the last time, last week, you and I were deep in the weeds yelling about David Ross by this point already. So I actually think this is an improvement. We're doing well. For, we're doing really listeners. well. Um, you know, just finishing up before we get into some of this Craig Breslow stuff on like the gold glove stuff, I, you know, this is all who cares, right? But as no, we said, no, I kind of care about this one. Well, I, meaning like we, you know, they're, they're making up the voting. Like sometimes it doesn't really track with who may actually be the best, whatever. Right. As we talked about with Ian Happ last year, though, that was an example of a guy who had worked really hard to improve at a position and found himself in a spot where he was a lot better, obviously. And you wanted him to win that, to kind of recognize that it's a cool thing. A lot of the players will add like a patch or a stitch to their glove. It, you know, when they do the defensive alignment on the broadcast, you get the gold shine on you, right? If you're, if you're one of those guys. So, um, for Nico in particular, right? Like he's got to get one. He's earned it. He's so good at well, this. Yeah. Um, I know he's got some, you know, good competition in there with Stott. And uh, I think Stott is the one who's probably his best competition of the three. Uh, but would like to see Nico win it. He's worked very hard. He's changed positions, obviously, with the signing of of Dansby. And um, he's put in the work. So would would like to see him honored and, and kind of get those flowers. He needs it. I mean, he was snubbed last year. I don't even think he was a finalist. I think Xander Bogarts was the third finalist at shortstop. Correct me if I'm wrong. But to your point about Ian Happ and winning that gold glove, you know, those awards do matter. They validate the players' efforts. They talk about it. And in hindsight, when these players tell stories about their careers, they'll reference those yeah. awards. I reference my awards when I played baseball. Like, they mean, right. st- they mean something, you know? When it can make these guys money. Too, you well, know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Nico's got himself an extension, but like for guys that are arbitration players, like this is stuff that gets brought up in those hearings. You well, know? you were part of those hearings back in the day. You were telling me this, right? Some A long of those, time ago. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it does matter. So, it was me versus David Robertson. So, apologies <laughs> to David Robertson. I do think myself and the New York Yankees won that case. So, apologies so you, to David. You won the case, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. And I, I obviously that was a long time ago too. Uh, those have changed, but a much more like rudimentary process than I think a lot of people would yeah. realize. Like it's it's not a it's not a a battle of like WRC plus and war necessarily, right? Like if you can get that extra RBI, you want that extra RBI because yeah. it might make you some extra money. Well, I don't think like Kyle Schwarber's camp will ever use war, right? But some of those playoffs, right? Home runs, yeah. not to get too off. Um, all right, so let's. I mean, if you wanted to continue talking about my baseball career from 15 years ago, we can do that. But I don't think we want to do that. Do you have a resume that you can send uh, me? I can look yeah, it up. I can send it to you. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Craig Breslow, though. So okay. we sort of heard these rumors in the first place um, earlier this off season. I think it was from Bruce Levine and then Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic was immediately like, I have not heard this, like I'm I'm getting denials on this that they've spoke. But that was maybe already a month ago, maybe even longer than that. Recently it sounds like there there was confirmation of interest and interviews and and things like that. Um and currently for the Cubs, if you don't know, he is an assistant general manager uh, of which the Cubs have uh you know multiple vice president and the director of pitching. 
So he yeah. oversees this entire infrastructure that we always talk about, right? Uh, it sounds like there's a number of possibilities if he were to go to Boston. The initial rumor that Bruce reported, I think, in Sahadev was was shooting down was that he was interviewing for like a lateral move, right, to do this, but for the Red Sox. His old team, again, where I think he and his family live, strong connections, things like that. The reports now are that he's in the conversation for potentially being a, you know, GM under somebody or some type of upward movement for Craig Breslow. So the the first question, you, I think, have dialed in on this pitching infrastructure and the pitch lab and all this stuff more than most people. Can you, can you try to articulate for the listeners or viewers on YouTube, like what, what does he do? What did he do for the Chicago Cubs? What does he mean for the Chicago Cubs? And I think as part of a longer answer, like the initial kind of reaction, if they were to lose this person, my, I'll first start with the initial reaction that is disappointing, but the outcry, if you want to be extreme about it, I don't think it's quite justified the reason being is just so many talented people in baseball that just need an opportunity and in terms of what he does and why i don't think it's as justified to be super concerned about it when i try to understand the pitching infrastructure and the main guys the directors whatever titles you want to ascribe to those folks what I'm told from other teams who have similar hierarchies who are quite successful is that the main guy establishes the principles, establishes the general protocols. And then on a day-to-day basis, that director, whether it be Breslow or from other teams, they set up daily Zoom calls with coaches. They fly to the different, the, to the different affiliates. They catch up on goals that the coaches are trying to achieve with their players, ensuring that the protocol that was prescribed is being efficiently followed. And they're overseeing and directing it all in ensuring that the staff is capable of carrying out a unified vision. That involves, in some cases, several coordinators. It involves coaches, multiple coaches across individual levels from A-ball, double-A, triple-A, the fall league, even having guys there to ensure their pitchers are performing optimally, the ACL, uh, Dominican league as well. It's very, very multifaceted, but the director is ensuring that the general protocols are being followed. Now, so if I, to, uh, if, if I, well, Hopefully it works as a format, but I, maybe I'll interject with some questions as, as you go. Okay. Um, if not, then I won't do that. But <laughs> a, a question I had just to start there. So like, for example, when we see the Cubs doing something in recent years, like their usage of sinkers up in the zone, which yeah. is something that other teams and, and pundits, et cetera, at various times have been like, huh, the Cubs are doing something kind of differently than everybody else. This isn't... it. Even if that is not necessarily a mindset that comes straight from Craig Breslow, he is the person that sort of enforces that paradigm throughout the organization, right? Yeah. If if we're going to have a strategy that we like, that we're going to teach, 
it starts with him and he disseminates that downward. Does that make, yeah, is it, that it, fair? Yeah, it's a collaborative effort. From what I've seen, I've gotten to play around with some of these databases and softwares teams build for their players and coaches. So I can play around, see what's going on. And it's not as cookie cutter as like, oh, you have a good sinker. Let's change the location. It's mm -hmm. not quite like that. It's leveraging unique strengths of coaches and players to yield a pitch type that has a high probability of success. So if you take a step back and not focus on the sinkers or sweepers, it's more of, okay, this person has a certain mechanical trait that if you change it, because that natural mechanical trait is easy for the pitcher, what is the likelihood that a tweak increases the amount of whiffs, which then by default increases your ability to move through the system fast. And so it's those types of features that the director is trying to collaboratively find and then achieve. But ultimately, it's not like for my, this is my opinion now, I don't think it's as I don't think the resources and the people and the talent is as scarce as it's made out to be from Craig Brussels perspective he deserves the money because you have the precedent of success where he's done this with the Cubs but I've been around folks who just need a chance whether they're analysts sure. or whether they're coaches and they the very clearly are obsessive and very hard workers and they can accomplish what they set out to do in their unique way. From my perspective, when it comes to, let's say, like algorithm development or any type of like statistical approach, I think it's good to shake things up. Like that's just where I fall into. Like from a non-baseball perspective, uh, some of my responsibilities have to, from non-baseball perspective, have to be like making new things. And sometimes when you get in these these echo chambers, not saying the Cubs are, but sometimes you need to be kind of slapped in the face a little bit and you need like different perspectives and it just promotes thinking a sure. little bit differently. And I think with like the pitching side of things, of course you have all these different pitch models and all the stuff models and all the stuff graders. And we know like we know what kind of works, right? We know like, oh, if you add five inches of horizontal break, then you're gonna you're gonna increase the percentage of whiffs this by this amount. How do you go about doing that? I, I think that right now is so established. And I think what needs to generally speaking, the way to keep moving things forward is just to keep pushing the boundaries. And I think one massive way to do that is you take what's working, which is Breslow's foundation. You take what's working and you just grow on top of that. Yeah, you need a new director. Yeah, there's some risk involved in that. Yeah, the preferred path forward is to keep them. But you have, you have an opportunity to continue to use what you've been using. All the resources are still there. And then you get a new perspective where you grow on that. That is actually kind of unique. And it may not be as bad as you think it is, and there were breakages in the system. It's not to say that everything the Cubs were doing are perfect. There were yeah. problems that need to be addressed, and I am actually encouraged that we may have an outside voice to kind of address some of those breakages. Yeah, and I mean, you would also hope that uh, for a variety of reasons, the Cubs are a destination when, you know, if they're 
you know, maybe they just move people up, right? Maybe Daniel Moscos is put in charge of this or guys that are already in the organization. That's fine right? too. But then you still would bring in new voices below those people, et cetera. And you would hope that the Chicago Cubs are capable of attracting those top minds, right? Yeah. Like just the, 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 the Red Sox are calling to Craig Breslow because he has a very strong uh, attachment there, right? With the organization, with the city, with with that whole situation. I mean, his family is and they're there. Right, and they're, they're, they're also obviously potentially, we don't know the exact rumors that are going on, uh, potentially offering him a promotion, a yeah. potentially significant one. But you would also hope that the Cubs in that same way can reach out to other people and bring in new voices that are also very talented and you kind of shift things around. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think from from an outside perspective of of not, having as fine of an understanding of what everybody's doing in these roles. Um, there's obviously risk, right? There's, he, he's done, a, the, the, the pitching has obviously improved organizationally, uh, especially from where this organization was many years ago, right? Under Craig Breslow, they've been innovating more. They've caught up in a lot of different areas of the league that I think we felt as an organization they were behind on for for a lot of time. And a lot of that has been under Craig Breslow. Uh, There's also the risk that if he goes to an organization, he wants to bring some of his folks with him, right? So how many of these, you know, people that we talk about all the time, Tommy Hadovy, the aforementioned Daniel Moscos, et cetera, does Craig invite to join him in Boston, right? Like you never know with stuff like that, but there's always risks and there's always risks that you bring in somebody whose new perspective stinks, right? But I do agree with you that it's, I think it's immediately reacted upon by a lot of people reading about it as like this catastrophic thing that can't yeah. happen. And I I think it's good for you to put that perspective of like, well, not necessarily, right? Like there's yeah. a lot that goes into it and there, there can actually be good outcomes from this. As you said, when you have somebody leading this and your organization is trending in so many right directions, you would prefer not to lose these people. But this is part of the game, right? This is part of how these things work. It happens to every organization, whether it's people on the coaching staff that get another opportunity, whether it's people in the front office, et cetera. Like this is just part of the game. So you just have to hope that the potential good outcomes are ways that Jed Hoyer and his front office are able to find themselves into. But it's not, and to that point, it's, this is natural. This is how it always is going to be. You're right. going to have guys who want to work their way up. Like yeah. Tommy Ottavy will not be here forever. Tommy Ottavy could find himself as recently or as soon as next year in a similar role that Craig Breslow currently operates he with the Cubs. He offered a managing job. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, and, we don't know. And to, to Theo's earlier point, he talked about things in like 10-year windows where after 10 years, it's time to move on. 10 years is a long time. Yeah. I think in some of like the non-baseball spheres, it's like two to three years. Two to three years, you learn something, you move on, you give your resources, next guy comes in, and you keep evolving, evolving, evolving. Now, it's up to Jed and Carter to continue the foundation of what was working and get people in who can then evolve that, not take it away, but evolve it and make it the best version of itself. But to Jed's credit and Carter's credit, they do have a history of doing this. I will say that. Whereas Theo, although he did hire, you know, Tommy and Craig was part of that front office, like ultimately Judd did identify, hey, these are guys that are having success. Let's give them more influence. And it worked. So there is a precedence with this front office 
for doing that. So I think that is encouraging. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is also an area where we start to see, you know, maybe a, a more tangible way of seeing uh, some of the effect of bringing in Carter Hawkins, right? Carter Hawkins, uh, one of the things that he was, you know, kind of hallmarked on his resume was his work yeah. in previous organizations with identifying, drafting, developing, pitching, and usually doing so with a lesser budget than they have now. So, you know, perhaps this is an opportunity for him to flex those muscles and say, okay, I, I see this yeah. foundation, here's what we're building, and I know the people to, or the direction to kind of continue taking And I'm kind this. of curious about it. Like, again, it's not my preferred path forward. I'm not saying that. But there's risk involved, but I do think if you look at the the potential outcomes, of course you want to have stability and you know what you get at Breslow, but I do think there are potential outcomes where it becomes better. Mm -hmm. Like I really genuinely, believe, I'm not just blowing smoke. Now you accept some of their risk and the risk is you bring someone in and you kind of break some of the um, uh, unified visions mm -hmm. and that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. I think kind of the basis of why they don't like Breslow going, but I do think there are scenarios where this gets better. In a lot of the situations and AAA and some of the command issues and walk rates, like who knows, man? Like it's one of those situations where you bring someone in and you don't know what you're missing. Like right. you don't know what you don't know. And ultimately, this could be one of those situations. I think it's also one of those things where it's like ultimately like a lot of good and there's obvious risk, but it also, you know, the, the pitching throughout the entire organization wasn't perfect, yeah. right? It's not a situation where it's like, oh no, everything is perfect. This can happen, right? It's like, no, maybe you can get better in certain areas. And it, it Do aligns, we feel like the Cubs have the best pitching infrastructure in the game of baseball? I don't think so, right? No. They don't have that reputation. So, and and again, that's not to say that this doesn't provide the opportunity that it gets worse, but change change can be good. And we said this when we were talking about some of those coaching staff changes on David Ross's coaching staff, right? Like, it it's not a... It, it feels like a very silly thing to say that there could be good outcomes or it could be bad outcomes, right? Come to the CHGO Cubs podcast for this brilliant analysis. Could be good, could be bad. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it is one of those things where, as you said, it is part of the game. Coaches, players, front office people work to get a better job, and you have to be prepared for that. There's very few organizations that have the same people, the same, you know, types of things. And sometimes that runs its course, like go across and look at New York, right? Like Brian Cashman has been there forever, a, yeah. a revered figure in New York sports. But you get the sense out of a lot of people that they'd kind of like to see some change. Doesn't mean it couldn't get worse, but I think it's the fan base and, and you know, the sense you get there is – you know, maybe it would be time to try something else instead of what we've been doing for the last 30 years, literally, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. so it, it it is part of that. And I was thinking when you were talking about it, just of a, a funny way of explaining it, but I feel like, you know, for a lot of years, you and I did a, a very good Cubs podcast. We needed to bring the vibes even higher, right? You and I aren't going to drink a beer bad on camera. After Actually, wins. I did. I did drink a beer bad. Well, yeah, but after, you know, so yeah enter Cody Del Mendo, right? Like you have to level <laughs> up, right? Sometimes you need to you continue do. adding on the foundation. Bring right? in Ryan, bring in Jared, bring in Luke. Yeah. Bring them all. Yeah, right. that's what it is. So I want to jump into our first ad break here and we can kind of continue this conversation. Um, also, 
possibly, if you're really hoping Craig Breslow stays, I'll just say you're welcome right now because the odds, when Brendan and I have conversations like this, right? The people are going to say they happens. had a 20-minute conversation about the pitching infrastructure and Craig Breslow. He will announce tomorrow morning that he's staying with the Cubs, and this conversation will be completely obsolete. <laughs> yeah. And everything we you're said will just revert back and be like, oh, whew. <laughs> thank thank you he's staying that would have been bad right that's just change is work. not good yeah yeah exactly so uh we will be back though May touch on that a little bit and then we want to yeah. get into some of the the payroll luxury tax roster projections etc cetera, etc cetera. first break here from circa sportsbook games will strive to be at a minus 110 split with circa sports menu unlike other sports books which may use minus 115 or minus 120 circa keeps as little money as possible on large market bets especially compared to other books circa sports does not limit players based on their winnings every player has the same limits unlike other books who do limit winning Players, there are real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chatbots. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sportsbook at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Download the Circus Sports Illinois at circusportscom slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, text GAMB to 833-234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Second break here from Game Time. You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying Tickets, again, last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Actually, I have a lot of friends in Arizona. They use game time to go to the third game of the NLCS. You saw all those uh, cost-affordable prices at Chase Field. Game time was the app to get those tickets. I had literally three friends say, hey, we're using your app to get these tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets like those NLCS tickets right up to the start of the event. You can you can find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brendan. So, any any final thoughts on on that? Or uh, I mean, and maybe it's a good transition. But do you feel like if if fans didn't know who Craig Breslow was, right? And maybe they read these rumors and they're like, I didn't even know who this guy was, or I don't know what the director of pitching does, whatever. Do you think that there, there could be like a, a visible effect next year that people could see and be like, oh, something is different? Or is it, is it too, too big in terms of like the, the organizational effect and things like that 
for something like that to take notice. As as we go into this offseason and prepare, we look at this rotation. Like we were talking the other day in the studio about how like if Stroman accepts his option, if they decide to bring Kyle Hendricks back, like you're you're still missing a top of the rotation arm to pair along with Justin yeah. Steele, kind of watching these teams in the playoffs. But you you have good depth with guys like Assad and Wicks, like, you know, kind of figuring out their roles and things like that. But like as we transition to all of that, do you think that there would be kind of a noticeable effect of any of these changes or is, is too much of it kind of under the radar? And unless you're picking up on, hey, the team as a whole is throwing more, you know, I don't know, change ups in the dirt to left handed hitters, you're just not going to notice this type of stuff. Yeah, it's so big. You have so many coaches, so many coordinators, so many analysts, I would expect changes to not be drastic and noticeable then again to the earlier point you don't know what you don't know you may get a director in that institutes some feature that brings about an unexpected result i expect given we're only it's crazy to think about this we are really only three months away from a lot of pitchers being in mesa ready to start their season that's not that far away so i imagine you won't see drastic changes, noticeable changes in February and March. If there is a new director, I think the first thing you'll notice is who's being hired. Are you sustaining your coordinators? Are you bringing in new coordinators? Are you making new roles? We saw that with the Cubs front office where they carved out a new role for Craig Breslow. They carved out new coordinator openings. They carved out new R&D type openings. So I think if there is a new director, I'm looking towards what new roles are being opened up because that might inform you what they're trying to accomplish. If there's no new roles opened up, they may just go with the status quo, reevaluate after next season. Jed did do that. Jed took over the presidency, had no GM for a year, granted COVID situation, but had no GM. You may want to take a year to reevaluate, continue what's working and then reassess. But it's all up in the air at this point. Okay. So fair enough. Uh, we will transition now. And uh, I alluded before that you were uh, texting me late one evening this week and you were... It was not 10 o'clock. It was like 6.30. It was 3 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> no, I, whatever. Fine. Um, I've also never done that at 3 in the morning. It's been like one thirty. Oof, don't make me go look through. I'm sure I've gotten graphs from you, Pat. I would say minimum 1 in the morning. Chicago yeah, time, one, one not your time. Right. Uh, that's true, actually. Maybe it sounds about right, but when it's a a, yeah. a plotted chart of Michael Fulmer's, you know, fastballs, it's a little weird. But anyway, you love it. You love it. It's unique. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, what you were kept up at night about was thinking about the payroll the payroll, the luxury tax, the implications of it all. And, you know, these are all things that we can talk about and worry about now. And, uh, you know, because I think once the the doors open to free agency and trades and, and really front offices abilities to make these moves, sure, that's going to be part of the calculus, but we are going to be getting like a barrage of rumors 
right? It's going to be too hard to keep your head on straight. Hopefully the Cubs are bringing in players and making moves and you may not have time to be sitting there with your calculator or your, your Google spreadsheet kind of adding it all up minute to minute, right? Like we're going to be freaking out. You're going to get a, you know, a Google, a, a Twitter alert from Ken Rosenthal that Cody Bellinger was spotted in a state that isn't Chicago and it's going to send Cubs Twitter into an absolute panic. But talk to me. What what are you feeling as we as we head into what what were you what were you dialed in on the other night? You you I don't appreciate that you set the foundation as if I'm some crazy person freaking out about this uh, situation. Like that's what it sounds like. You're it doesn't to really do. matter because everybody knows that. That's also not true. People do not think I'm that crazy. Just okay. just saying. Sure. Uh, what I was thinking about, not freaking out about, just thinking out loud about was considering the arbitration projections, considering Strowman's likely opt-in. I'm assuming he's locked in. Uh, the payroll without Cody Bellinger, the range as it stands is $200 million to $210 million. MLB Trademers had their uh, off-season preview for the Cubs. They have them at 211 for their estimated payroll without... Bellinger and without even, you know, a lot of these other options picked up. So then I started thinking, okay, well, if you sign Bellinger, let's say you sign Bellinger for a $25 million annual average value contract, you're at the tax already. Like you're literally first level, first level, you're at the tax. And again, it may not be like, exactly 237 so the way the taxes work you have 237 then 257 and you keep going up by 20 million and there's multiple tiers but the first tier is 237 second tier is 257 third tier is 277 above the 277 you lose 10 spots in your draft pick so if you were expected to draft at 15 you're back to 25 and then the first level so past 233 0 to 20% and then you get to two, uh, 237, you get to 257 to 277, an additional 12%. And it keeps going up to 20% after 277. So it starts adding up, right? So if you're already at 237, if you sign Bellinger or even inching towards that, then presumably you have a lot of moves to make to ensure that your roster is capable of winning next year and accepting the overage on 237. And if you want to go over 257, let's say you sign Bellinger and then you bring in, I don't know, you trade for Pete Alonso. You trade for Juan Soto. Sure. Be crazy. That puts you in the second tier already at 257. And is the team good enough as constructed with just Bellinger and just a Pete Alonso with their pitching issues, right? You sign Kyle Hendricks in that scenario. You're, you're inching towards 277 already. And then are you truly confident that that is going to solve every issue? Solving a lot of issues, but is it a surefire thing? You still have to shore up the bullpen. You still have to shore up some of the back end of the rotation still. It gets complicated. Sure. And it's it's that's what it, it leaves me unsettled. And it's a good it's a good way to contrast what we were talking about in the past few weeks where you feel generally good about where this team is going, given their front office, given their uh, pitching development, given their farm promotions, graduations. 
but is under the assumption that those big moves will be made. And as we talk about this and discuss this in the context uh, context of the luxury tax, it strikes me as very ambitious and something that seems not likely, although it's possible, but it's not likely as those are huge asks given where they are. Yeah. Well, so the first the first thing I would say is one, the usual caveat of Brendan is explaining the luxury tax implications because that is how the front office and ownership in some respect are going to operate, right? Whether they care about yeah. the first threshold, the second threshold, it is part of their calculus. The caveat I'm offering is that do you want to like say, I feel like we can all just say it together, right? The Cubs are one of the most valuable franchises in the world. They shouldn't care, spend yeah, all the yeah, money, yeah. blah, blah. I, I know, right? They're going to operate in the real world, but I, I do want that out there that like, yeah. we don't care about the luxury tax. They do. That's just, why we're- just, And just to add to that, my, my yeah. 10 seconds, the Dodgers this year went under the luxury tax they finish around two hundred and thirty-two million, just slightly underneath it, to reset. Yeah, kind of like how many the times they go, did. Yeah, yeah, and if you a few years you, ago, if you think about it, the Dodgers and the Cubs had the same payroll, basically, which is crazy to think about, and that kind of sets kind of where I'm thinking, like, oh, how are the Dodgers like performing that well? They and all they won had just this, as many playoff games, and so. that's that's also true. But you know what I mean. But they're at the same type of, uh, they're at the same type of cost commitment and it just leaves me like unsettled that's a big yeah it seems to be a big so, chasm yeah so that that's my that's my first thing right because i like i just I, I i always have to make sure that we're never accused of being like ricketts apologists or, I would spend you know what i'm saying one billion dollars on this team yeah if I had like the money. i don't care about the luxury yeah. tax brendan doesn't cody doesn't luke doesn't ryan doesn't well i, I think ryan might might actually well i don't know yeah. You think he's a luxury tax guy? I think he is. He strikes <laughs> me as that. <laughs> um, I don't care. They should blow over it. As I always say, like I'm a season ticket holder. Like I don't want to give them my money to then hear about, well, we don't want to pay the penalty. You think I want to hear that? Come on. Like we're all with each other in this. That it, It's not our money. Give it away to good players and go win playoff games. We want to be have people talking about, the Wrigley Field playoff environment, not Citizens Bank Park, right? Like, come on. But that's how they're going to operate, at least in some respect, right? It's going to inform what they're doing. The second thing I would say to that is I, I think we all know this. I think it's been part of the way that this has been discussed. I think that people have a high hope that they are going to build on where they were last year and continue the forward progress. But I think in a lot of those conversations, everybody has acknowledged that it's not exactly the easiest path to get there. Yeah, which right? is weird. <laughs> and That's I've weird. said before, I use this phrase a lot, it is a tough needle to thread, right? Like it is a very small hole that Jed is trying to fit these puzzle pieces into, right? That said... The the immediate reaction I have to that, I know where you're coming from. I've seen these numbers. I'm aware of how it can get tricky, and I can already read the, you know, PR cleaned up quotes from Jed where it's like, well, you know, we we feel like we got better and, you know, we did spend money, right? We did spend money this offseason, but we're all looking at it. Like, we've seen this movie before, right? 
my position, at least at this point, like in order to get better, in order to live up to this kind of mantra that they've all laid out, which is not making the playoffs is not good enough and it is not successful in anybody's book, they're going to have to figure it out, right? Like I don't get paid a, you know, what, a, what is it? A nine figure salary that Jed oh, makes, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm doing the math of how many zeros that is. You're a numbers guy. I'm not. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Is that anyway? It's like seven. But that's okay. But it's like Nine's they get paid the big bucks to figure this stuff out. And whether that is going to involve clearing money in creative ways, attaching players in trades, things like that, figuring out how to maneuver these options uh, and free agents and all this stuff, they're going to have to do it. And I know that sounds like a, a sort of almost like a cop-out of analysis on my part, but I don't get paid to figure it out. If they want to get better, they have to get more good players. They need more star players on this team, right? And if yeah. we're just looking at a money perspective, yeah, it gets tricky if you're going to look at some of those thresholds and say, well, we, we're willing to blow past the first one, which I definitely expect that they are. Right. I would imagine that any hesitations they have would come from blowing past the second or third tax penalty. Right. I think, especially when you get those draft picks involved, the extra money, I can see them being wary of that. But that first one, I, I would expect them to blow past. And I think they need to. So it's a real consideration. And I know how they operate. I know how the ownership has operated in the past. But look, man, like, you look at the roster, you look at the players available and how to kind of fix some of the holes that they have. They're going to have to do things that maybe make them uncomfortable, whether that's yeah. from a money perspective or moving players and receiving money back in exchange. Like other teams have had to figure their way out of situations like this, and they're going to have to do the same. Simply saying, well, we spent up to this one threshold and this is all we could afford. So I guess we you know, have Cody Bellinger, but that's it, right? You well, guys want that. You know, it's it's not good enough. It's not going to be good that. enough. That was that defined those Descalso signings and the late two thousand tens. They've had they have had a history of doing this. Sure. Where you don't go over the, the, the go over fear those is taxes. not unwarranted. I'm not it's I'm not a saying legitimately that. warranted yeah. fear. I the fear is not unwarranted at all. I'm not saying that. But I, I I'm just kind of laying the clear gambit of in order to get where they want to go, they are going to have to do some of these things. They're going to have to figure yes. this stuff out. I think if you looked back, and I'm I'm not at all excusing this, right? Like the lack of spending over the top cost this organization at least one more championship, right? I think minimum. I think most people would agree with that, right? But at least you looked at the 2018 team and said, well, this is a really good team. It's actually right? a bold statement from you. What? One championship? You think they could have won one Well, more? you can never guarantee a championship, but I yeah. think the, I'll, I'll rephrase that. It costs them a real legitimate shot at one, which yeah. I think they never ended up getting again, right? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the 2018, 2019, they could have gone for it and blown over that next year. Yeah, yeah right. And, and I think some of those moves would have set them up for 2021 even as well, right? For as weird as that played out. Not trying to relitigate that, but just trying to say like, at least in 2018, like that team won 95 games. That was a very good team, even though they needed to spend further to be able to compete at that peak level, right? Especially getting into October. Yeah. That's not where this team is, 
Like this roster is is blatantly not that good. And so I, I, I know you weren't comparing them directly, but like they they can't go with that this time. I, I the fear is not unwarranted, but they just can't do it. They will not accomplish their goals if they don't spend over the tax or find some way to dump enough money that they can still add a bunch of good players and stay around whatever number yeah. they feel comfortable with. They they just can't do it. So yeah. they're going to have to. So I'm I I share the concern. I know it. I I've seen it. I it it is warranted. I just refuse for now I refuse to believe they're they're going to do it cuz well, they the, just can't. The Jed Hoyer, Jed Hoyer hasn't won anything. Oh, well, trust as, me, as I'm a with president, you. He like has they to need win to show year. up, and they yeah. need to win a division. They need to get in the like the the aspirations have got to be well beyond where we were it, this it, year, I and we've talked they, about that a lot. They aspire to that. Is it different? They know they have to do it. They yeah. have to. They have to spend of money course. over this tax. Eat but, the penalties. They have no choice. It's. The path forward to competing is in addition to spending money in free agency. You can't just do it in free agency with this market. That's where I have the concern is, to your point, yes, spend money. But if you just sign Cody Bellinger and you bring back Kyle Hendricks' $16 million option, Mm -hmm. you are at 235 to 240 million dollars already. You have the exact same roster as last year. And that wasn't good enough, right? So the concern that I have is getting trades, having creative moves to circumvent some of those concerns. And then when I start thinking about this, things start to snowball, but Drew Smiley, Tucker Barnhart, yeah, you know, uh, Trey Mancini, they really missed on those deals to the yeah. sum of $20 million. So they aspired for those three guys to be contributors for 2024. It's written in their contracts, and they missed very badly on $20 million. It's difficult. This is the margin of the elite front offices that are in the playoffs year in year out versus the front offices to have some turnover like the Cubs have been. So well, this is the front office that will define this overall direction. Yeah. Well, in addition to the free agents, I, I was saying, even if you trade for some guys, you make those moves, like they cost money too, right? Like depending on the moves you make, maybe not as much, but like you trade for Juan Soto, he's going to cost a lot of money. Man, like, he's but not, like he's is our free. season dependent on Juan Soto? Like that's my point. It's like if you don't sign a Ted Williams as hitter, you're screwed. Is that really what this season is going to come down to? And then like there's two sides where you have Jed Hoyer who needs to win next year or his job might be in jeopardy. Like mm-hmm. I understand that, but at the same time, do you treat 2024 as kind of another soft launching pad? And I don't think fans are willing to accept that. But I do think if you take away the job security, it's an easier argument to make that 2024 is a soft launching pad and not an all-in juggernaut go-for-it year. Am I wrong about that, given everything? You know? I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what they're they're aiming for. I, I really don't. My look, I I I know that they 
it's difficult to turn a team that didn't make the playoffs into a a, a, a juggernaut, right? Like a a top two or three you World want Series a contender. Clear cut division winner next year. Yes. Yes. And a team <laughs> big ass. And a team that that when they get in these playoffs, right, they have a legitimate chance to compete, right? The Phillies didn't win their division and no one was talking about them the way they were talking about the Braves, but here they are, right? The Texas Rangers didn't win their division and nobody talked about them like uh, this juggernaut of a team. But there's right? no Bryce Harpers or Corey Seegers or Marcus Semien's, dude. They're not there. You have to trade for him. This very different well, construction. Man, but do you have the confidence they can do that? Have they ever done that? I'm going to repeat this is what, what I this said is in the where, beginning. They have to. This is what prompts those late night texts. Yeah, they have because to. Because they have to. And how it's difficult to balance when we say, yeah, I feel good about this team. But <laughs> you have to go out and make these historically great traits. It yeah. doesn't make sense. No, in and, my and brain. I think, and I do want to get to our our second ad break here. Of naturally, sure. we're running long per what is usual. Fifty three minutes. That's um, and and Brendan's out of wine, so um, I got more you know, over there, here we go. Here we go. Um, at a at a Pearl Jam concert, this would be the good part when Eddie would go to the back and come back with the second bottle of I wine. Am and like that's Eddie how you knew, like, all right, podcast. we're we're into you know we're here to party tonight. Um, someday we'll go all the way right uh i think it kind of is this conversation is underscored by the cody bellinger conversation right where a lot of people you know will look at that and go like he might get a big contract maybe not as big as some people think maybe bigger than other people think but like you can't just re-sign him and you know, call it a day, right? Like you, you have to add on to that production or you, you, you know what I mean? Like you can't have Stroman pick up his option and bring back Hendricks and just be like, okay, cool. I think our rotation is good. Is it good enough? No, I no, don't think so. You know, I think it can compete in the division, but is it good enough to, to, you know, be a lock in the division to carry you through the playoffs? I don't think so. You know, um, so yeah, I think the Bellinger thing kind of underscores this thing where it's like it might cost you a lot of money and even just doing it doesn't answer all of the questions. And then what happens if you don't do it, right? It's, again, I, I never said it was going to be easy, but like, listen, man, like this is why these people make millions of dollars. Jed makes millions of dollars to run this team. Time to put on your like, you know, big boy Theo Epstein pants and figure out how to win a championship, right? Like, I, I don't know what else to say. All right, listen, man, I don't put know. Put on your Theo Epstein, I'm getting drunk today, gorilla suit, and go build a damn championship roster, Jed. All right. It's not that hard. Sure, it's not it's not it's 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 not that hard, sure. Um the gor- the the gorilla was Boston. No, at, at Wrigley, he was drinking through a bear head, wasn't he? It was it was a bear head. Yeah, he, he was escaped. like drinking through the eye of a bear. <laughs> he escaped out of Boston in the gorilla in the suit. gorilla suit. Then right. he bought like a makeshift okay. Clark costume when they won the World Series, right? Which they did do by the way. The Cubs won the World Series. If people do remember, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. referencing like somebody yeah, took yeah. a photo from like their rooftop of him on the bleachers, and I'm celebrating sure he's pouring the champagne through the eye hole the of eye. like the <laughs> of the bear head. Yeah, Theo was unbelievable, unbelievable. Okay. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do this ad break here. What is it? An hour in? Okay, uh, Charlie the Bacon Guy, Corey. Charlie the Bacon Guy, based out of Woodridge, Illinois, makes craft bacon and bacon jams in over 30 different flavors. 
The bacon jams are all naturally cured, no fancy preservatives, free product. There aren't any ingredients that Charlie can't pronounce himself involved in the process, unlike most store-bought bacon. It's also vacuum-sealed. Freeze is great. Bacon lasts up to 45 days in the fridge, six months in the freezer. Bacon jam, I've heard, in the studio lasts not even 60 days in the fridge. Or in some cases, if Luke is there, Cody's there, like one day, 20 seconds. But it does, if you do want to keep it, six months in the freezer. Some of the favorites are maple pepper, jalapeno garlic, Old Bay, rosemary. Uh, Some traditional flavors are the original, the bourbon, the spicy uh, varieties. The bacon jam does go perfectly on anything. Scrabbled eggs, toast, crackers, burgers, grilled cheese, cinnamon rolls, or Charlie's favorite, just the spoon. He will deliver to you, meet you halfway, or even ship it. He makes the bacon so you can bring it home. You can also contact Charlie at Charlie the Bacon Guy. Check out the merch on Instagram, on Twitter at CZ the Bacon Guy, or on email. You can email him directly at Charlie the Bacon Guy at gmail.com. Uh, another ad break here from Ray Chevy. Are you in the market for a new or used vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you because Ray Chevy in Fox Lake has joined the CHGO team. And we were talking to the team at Ray and they have a pledge called the Ray Price Promise. It's guaranteed that the price you see online is the price you pay when you go into the dealership. We found that in many cases, other dealers will raise a price on you when you go into the dealership saying things like, are you a recent college grad? Are you active in the military? Are you a farmer? And in most cases, the answer will be no. And that's not that's when the other dealers will raise a price on you saying the price online includes limited rebates that you do not qualify for. At Ray, this is not the case. The price you see online is the price you pay. No add-ons to the price ever. In fact, Ray will do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which makes the price lower than you see online. And as one of the top sellers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories. And right now, you can save big at Ray Chevy during their truck or treat savings event because 0% is back and now available on new Silverado trucks, the perfect tailgate vehicle. So come into Ray Chevrolet and Fox Lake and find the vehicle you've been searching for. And best of all, pay zero hidden fees with the Ray Price Promise. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com. Serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. All right, Brendan. I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, I feel bad now. We always do this. Like, you etch no. out the direction as like yeah. oh it's like you know it's doable and everything but the more you talk about it like we sound like a bunch of crazy people saying it, oh we're gonna we're gonna expect all this look, that's it, it, absurd. it's not it's not an easy thing necessarily right like i think it's again it's it's always easy to compare things to kind of that off season heading into 2016 when the cubs end up winning the world series world series correct yes. because it's it's easy to look back in that and say you know, you see how they kind of identified things that they wanted to put them over the top, right? They bring in one of the most consistent hitters and a versatile defender in Ben Zobris, just an absolute professional, right? To World pair Series along MVP. with all of these young hitters, you know, some of whom had insane talent and production, but still young, right? So how do you balance that? You go and get like the most stable lineup force you can possibly find, right? 
You bring in Jason Hayward. Again, you had better visions for his offense. But even so, you're, you know you're getting a gold glove defender, an elite base runner, again, another veteran, right, who obviously has a very significant and much talked about veteran moment, uh, you know. You're so kind. Several months you're later, so kind. right? I said you'd vision different yeah, things for yeah, his yeah, offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to talk about the pitching that they had? Well, you John also— Lester. Well, but well, he's already there. I'm talking Kyle about Hendricks. the moves they made. You all, you do also in that offseason bring in John Lackey so that you have another back-end guy, another veteran, a guy with a championship pedigree, right, who can be that, you know, fourth guy in that rotation to kind of stabilize things. And it was easy going into that to say, all right, you feel really good about the 2015 team. So much young talent. This pipeline is exploding, right? They just won 97 games. They they won a wild card game. They won a, a division, division series, series against their rival. They knocked out the Cardinals, right? Like you're looking up. What do we need to put this team at the World Series level? And they went and did it. And then when the bullpen was showing some cracks, they went and did it again at the deadline, right? It was easy to kind of see, like, okay, here's step one, two, three, profit, right? Yeah. There you go. This one is not as easy, <laughs> right? Or if you did lay it out, getting steps one through four, easier said than done, right? Even if you know what they are. But that's 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 the cycle, man. You know, they're, they're going to have to look at who they believe they can get significant production from as, as far as young guys. Uh, you know, and I think the development of guys like Jordan Wicks, the ability of Javier Assad to potentially play whatever role you ask of him, things like that. Like those are big developments because they help answer some of those questions. Uh, but as far as getting over this hump, like, yeah, man, it, it is not easy, but I, I just don't see what other choice they have. I mean, if there is a scenario where Cody Bellinger gets some monster offer from the New York Yankees, hypothetically, right? And he says, you know what? I'm going to take this deal because it's crazy. They're offering me crazy money, crazy years. And we're all sitting here in a vacuum saying, you know what? I get why Jed doesn't want to do that. I have no idea how this team figures well, that out and how this another, front office figures that that's out. another issue. But but what I'm saying is is like what what is the other what's the that's other choice the point. for this front office? That's They're the going point. to have to get creative and make it work. You've built up all this prospect capital. You're going to have to trade some of it. Then you're going to have to trade certain guys and maybe get teams to throw in money so that you can spend it elsewhere. I, th what there just isn't another choice, Brendan. And I know that that's like just snap your fingers and make a good team, right? Like, but. This is where they're at. If they want to get better, if they want to reach their stated goals, they're going to have to do some of these things. There just isn't a choice. Yeah, well, that's that's my point. That's what keeps me up at night. That's why I text you this late at night because right. those are difficult asks. And the rotation, the, the problem that I also, the issue, the cause of concern that I have is Cody Bellinger is going to demand a big contract. He has Scott Boris. There are teams that need center fielders. Then you have to talk about weighing the risk and the reward with giving Cody Bellinger center field money with assuming your best prospect and Pete Kerr Armstrong is going to be playing center field, right? And then you start thinking, okay, well, Strom is coming back at $23 million next year. 
Kyle Hendricks, sixteen million in a vacuum. But yeah. Well, you know, Kyle Hendricks, sixteen million, seems in a vacuum like a slam dunk, but he has a shoulder capsular tear. But he's getting up there in age and hasn't thrown close to two hundred innings in a long time. And do you want to spend sixteen million on that or? diversify and shore up some other holes in your roster. Again, in a vacuum, Kyle makes so much sense, but when you start playing more so in the specific context of this team and payroll situation, it's very muddy. And you look at even Justin Steele, who had remarkable development to be in the Cy Young conversation. Still, nevertheless, no history of 200-plus innings. No history of doing this without any hiccups throughout the year. I love Justin Steele. I love the development. It is the gold standard for any pitching prospect to achieve what Justin Steele achieved given his pitching stuff, making the most out of the repertoire. Absolutely the gold standard. But he still had forearm problems last year. Still took him away from from three starts. You still have to consider all this. And even with Cody Bellinger to go back on their risk and all the reward, Cody Bellinger's had two extreme seasons sure. where he's been yeah. among the worst hitters in the league. So you give Cody Bellinger $25, 30000000 million, you have to account for the possibility, although not likely at this point, but nevertheless the possibility that it could happen again. Then what? And that's, you have a lot of then what's, what ifs. There's a lot of extreme examples of these players with injuries not performing. It leaves me unsettled. That's what I'll say. I think it's possible. Again, I'm optimistic. I really am optimistic about this direction going forward because of the volume of prospects. But it's under the assumption that they will be used either via trade or excessively and aggressively graduated to the team next year. It will take an extreme in one way or the other through in the system or through trades. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. Um, you know, look, like I said, like Jed Hoyer has been the president of this team for a few years now, and he doesn't really have anything to show for it. And by doesn't really, I mean, he has nothing to show for it. Like literally nothing. Yeah, they we don't talk about it. Craig Breslow, man. If this team does not win the division or look as if they are clear-cut division contenders, he's gone. There's like no doubt in my mind he's gone. One year left, he does not want to be a lame duck. There will be, in my mind, will be a mutual parting. He has to win that division yeah. and do it convincingly. There's I mean, I no think it's true. It's, it's true for David Ross too. David Ross is the on enti- a one-year deal. Bro, yeah. the entire system. This is yeah. it for them. The yeah. seat is hotter than it's ever been. Let's go. So go <laughs> get me one soda. What are we doing? <laughs> Am I wrong about that? Is like, is that an excessive way to think about this? Like sometimes I do think no. I'm crazy to think about this. No, I, 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 I don't, I don't think so at all. I'm not being um, dramatic. I swear to God, these are like legitimate things that I'm actually thinking no, about. No, I, I, I don't think, I don't think it's being dramatic. I think again, like I said, I think when most people talk about this, I don't feel like they're painting it as this like super easy thing to you know get to that next level. Um, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be complicated. You know, you can use whatever kind of like cliche you want. Like it's a, it's an advanced like chess game. You know what I mean? And Jed has to be really good at it. They're all going to have to be really good at it. Um, 
not easy. So yeah, no. I mean that that's that's ultimately where it is. Uh, and anyway, yada yada yada. Flash forward, Nick Madrigal, your opening day third base. No, 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 <laughs> dude, can't I can't do it. The only way I accept that is Cody Bellinger, Juan Soto, and let's get crazy. Just throwing like uh, Aaron Nola in that mix. I don't know. Let's get super crazy. If Nick Madrigal is your opening day third baseman, there's no it. scenario where I accept that. I can't Actually. have that happen again, dude. I Get, just can't do it. Give Christopher Morrell a bucket of balls and somebody with a fungo, please. I will personally go yeah. to his house every yeah. day. I will hit him a thousand fungos every day. Yeah. I promise you. Um, I, you know, look, I, you know, I, I, I do think it's good to kind of, I, I wanted to lay that groundwork at least a little bit, not to frighten everybody, but just to, you know, kind of hone in on some of this stuff. And again, you know, the the exact numbers and, you know, payroll projection thing like that, like a, a lot of that can change. It's based on arbitration projections, whether they're picking up some of these options, whether they're not picking up some of these options. So it depends how you're looking at it and calculating things. But the fact of the matter is that if you make certain moves just to kind of keep the roster where it was, it's not the most room unless they are willing to really go into those luxury tax penalties, which we just don't know whether that is something they're going to do or not. You know, every time they're asked, I think Tom's answer is always like, Jed knows how much money, you know, or Jed has the money to do what he needs to do, right? Or something vague like that, right? And as you said, we've seen this before where you needed more spending and it didn't happen, right? So, I think it's good to kind of lay this groundwork because I think every a lot of people, as you said, Brendan, feel good about this organization and feel good about where they ended up last year, even though we're falling short of calling it a success because they didn't make the playoffs. They bought at the deadline and obviously collapsed in September the way that they did. But it's good to just set the kind of tone of like, there is a lot of work to do and it is not just snap your fingers kind of work, right? And, you know, in addition to that, even if you had a, a best laid plan to get there, right? Talking re-sign Cody Bellinger, uh, go get, um, you know, Aaron Nola, trade for Juan Soto. They're not the only people that want to do that, right? Like that's the other, you know, thing that that I think sometimes gets left out of this conversation. Other people want Cody Bellinger. If there's a trade for Juan Soto happening, other people besides Jed Hoyer might be on the phone to make that happen. Other people, other teams are watching Aaron Nola, right, who didn't have a, his best regular season, but the dude shows up in October. Jed Hoyer's not the only one that's interested in his services, right? So even if you have the plan, even if you have the money, right, you're competing with people. You have to outbid people. You have to woo some of these, you know, potential free agents and things like that, right? It's not the easiest process. So I think it's good to just sort of set the tone of like, there's a lot of work to do. They can do it. They have to do it. But, you know, it's it's not it's not the simplest yeah. thing in the world to get this team to where they want to be. Um, now, again, if in an ideal world, Tom opens the checkbook, the payroll's $400 million. Sure, it's a lot easier. Yeah, we can make that happen definitely a lot easier if that were to be the case. It won't be, right? People don't want to hear about those luxury tax levels and those penalties and stuff, but they're going to consider them whether we like it or not. So yep. it's just a fair thing to lay out there, I think. Uh, 
one more ad break for you is we're we're over the hour mark. So, you know, we Shocker. do have to keep the lights on here if Brendan and I are just going to talk to each other all night. Uh, as always, want to invite you guys to check out becoming a diehard member over at CHGO. You can visit allchgo.com. Obviously, you guys know we have podcasts and live shows on every team every day. Post-game shows, premium written content over at allchgo.com. Some unlocked, some is locked just for the diehard members. You get 20% off all events. We just had another tailgate uh, before a Bears game here in the city of Chicago. The goose is flowing. The food is flowing. There's bacon. There's beer. There's camaraderie, community, everything you need. Uh, they're great tailgates. They're, they're really great events uh, to come out and, and meet some folks, get ready for a football game. I know we are going to have some Blackhawks events, obviously now that the Connor Bedard show is underway, some Bulls events once the Chicago Bulls season gets underway. Access to the members only Discord. You get a free shirt when you become a member and at the next two tailgates. Uh, X-Golf will be giving away a $200 gift certificate to any of their Chicagoland locations. You can find the X-Golf nearest you at playxgolf.com slash Chicagoland uh, at that last tailgate. I think that was last weekend. Did have uh, our first winner of the X-Golf gift certificate. So uh, got to visit those tailgates for the next couple opportunities. Again, all chgo.com. And then our last sponsor, uh, a favorite, as always, all of our sponsors are our favorites, but you guys know Goose Island has been supporting CHGO, and it is Chicago's beer since 1988, the incredible beer roster, Oktoberfest, the Beer Hug family, the full pocket Pilsner, that was what was in Cody Del Mendo's beer bat after... Dr. Brendan Miller gave him That's the tip right. for a little yeah. lighter, easier to uh, slam yes. in, in that particular You're environment welcome. with a Credit plastic beer bat from Wrigley Field. Uh, and of course, my favorite, the classic, the 312. They have a, a, a cooler like right behind my seats at beautiful historic Wrigley Field, Brendan. Oh, yeah? They have the grill with the hot dogs, the caramelized onions. Oh. Uh, I will tell you a little inside baseball that is not the grill that I go to, though, I will not reveal the best hot dog location inside Wrigley Field. I know where it's at. Uh, Shall I say? Maybe. It? Uh, but next to that stand is a cooler that is always stocked with pristine, crisp 312 Weed Ale from Goose Island. You walk up. They have the self-checkouts now. I go up a few rows, grab my 312, back to my seats. In 10 seconds, there's no better way to enjoy a ball game at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. And, of course, you can grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park. They have a great smash burger there as well. Or from their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Of course, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. All right, Brendan, wrapping up here. Or we could go another three hours. Okay, um, we can do it. It doesn't really matter. Sure. I Look, I'm... I'm I'm excited for this offseason. I, I think that, again, you know, laying out the difficulties and maybe not being able to kind of map it all ourselves with some of those difficulties, the the team is on an upward trajectory and 
Jed knows, I think, what is necessary to make this team better. The one thing, they don't always make those moves, but I feel like, and this was true of Theo as well, like the two of them will point out what is wrong with the team. That is one thing that I think I feel is true for both of them, right? There's been instances where they would say stuff and then they don't fix it. And that kind of, you know, gets us all to be a little confused, right? Like, well, why did you point that out? And (laughs) you didn't do it. We don't hit enough home runs, but we're not going to add any home run hitters. So don't ask us about that, right? Um, But, you know, when you listen to Jed Hoyer's end of the year press conference, he talked about a lot of the things that you would want him to say in order to be hopeful that the team gets better, right? He talked about how they needed more impact bats to change a game in one swing rather than relying. They have a lot of good complementary hitters, a lot of guys that can string hits together, take their walks, et cetera. But you need more of those those guys that just do damage. And you're seeing that especially in these playoffs, guys like Jordan Alvarez, uh, Kyle with the Phillies, Harper, like, damage, just doing damage with one swing rather than relying on those big sustained rallies that maybe carry you through a 162 game season, but don't necessarily always help you navigate the playoffs just as easily. He's acknowledged these things. You know, he's acknowledged that you'd like the the pitching staff to see more swing and miss and that the bullpen depth wasn't there and that that was a mistake on their part and that they made mistakes on some of those depth signings throughout the roster doesn't mean that they're going to go and fix it but they know what this team needs to do to reach that next level and to get better and as we talked about like the manager is on the hot seat the manager might be on the hot seat from the jump right just given his contract and the way everything is kind of set up here the president should be on the hot seat if things aren't different next year because they don't have anything to show for the last few years. So I'm excited for this offseason because, not because I'm positive that it is perfectly executed, but the opportunity is there for this team to continue taking those next steps and put themselves in a, a better position than us coming to the end of the season and talking about like, oh, well, they were close, you know, to making the playoffs, whatever. It, it, it's it's there. They know what they need to do, whether they want to use them or admit it. They have the resources. We know it. Yeah. They have the money to do whatever they need to do to get there. And I'm ultimately, possibly to a fault, hopeful that they will find well, we, themselves we there. They, the good going forward is you see the direction. Yes, it's ambitious. Yes, it seems almost unlikely, but high volume, top prospects in the top 50 rankings, whatever leaderboards you want to use, multiple, in some cases, six, seven in the top 100 of your prospects, that can be used in trades. You saw graduations for Pete Crow Armstrong this season. Jordan Wicks was a significant contributor. Javier Assad broke through. You have your core up the middle, signed for the next three seasons in Dansby and Nico, whom are likely going to win gold gloves. You have Miguel Amaya breaking through, looking like a potential stable catcher behind the dish. Jan Gomes as a formidable mentor for Miguel Amaya. You can see it working out. Seiya Suzuki, assuming, hoping, he puts up second-half numbers next season. Is every bit what you expected when that contract was signed, and then some. And Ian Happ for the contract, $20 million per year, 
not your middle of the order guy, but still a great complimentary piece that's locked and ready for the next three seasons. The foundation, as just said, the skeleton is there. The skeleton is just as is what it was called, a skeleton. It's pretty bare, needs to be filled up. And the way that's going to happen, I think, is ambitiously making those trades, saying goodbye with a lot of angst to the Kevin Alcantaras, to the James Triantos. I don't think Cade Horton, but you never know. I don't think PCA, but you never know. Saying goodbye to this high volume of prospects and taking some risk in doing it and hoping it works out. And that's what I'm hoping happens is we take those risks and continue to make those strides forward and at least risk it. That's what I'm asking for. Okay. There you go. It's a big ask. That's it. That's it. Okay. Bye. All right. Uh, No, I, you know, look, uh, we got a couple weeks. Obviously, they have to wrap up the championship series and you got to play the World Series. Uh, And then, you know, I think once we get into the World Series, we'll kind of lay out all of those dates, um, you know, for when you can expect things. Going to have to submit arbitration offers, tender contracts, all that other stuff. And then uh, the gates open, free agency, trades, all that stuff. So, um, that is what we have for you. Obviously, don't forget to tune in uh, Monday through Thursday, usually at 1.20, uh, unless there's a sort of special interview or event uh, with Cody, Ryan, and Luke. They are in the middle of doing uh, their grades for some of the players uh, as they'll kind of carry that throughout the offseason. Um, I know that Brendan is hoping to join the Nick Madrigal grade episode. Um, I don't know how many Why? Fs have ever been given out during those grades, but expect we might see one if you do join that show um not from ryan hmm? not, not from, from ryan for me yeah but from ryan yeah, he'll give magical saying. he'll give magical probably a b plus and he'll cite well, that plus 10 outs above average because he takes a three meter run throw to get to first base from the bullpen out in left field and the bleachers underneath the ivy even on the waveland um what i was hoping was that at the you know 80 minute mark of this podcast we could get into a loose that was kind i of was mean, gonna say unsolicited but that I was kind of mean it. to say about me you know i give yeah. the guy credit like he did play a good we don't have days. to do this don't yeah. get me wrong yeah. all right he's he's right. not listening to this all right, all right. So we never know you never know um anyway that is what we have for you. Uh, we would appreciate if you can hit that thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, as a reminder, we are not live. We have not been live. If you've been waiting for us to respond to you, we can't see the future. But You respond uh, to all those chats, though, all those yes, comments. I see uh, we, that. we are reading the chats. If you leave a comment on the YouTube video um, and it you know, warrants or you know, would like a reply, uh, I'm, I, I will reply. I'm, Do you I'm, reply to the Corey Sucks comments? I don't think we get any of those. Oh, do we? okay. I don't think or so. Or is that you? I mean, maybe I've blocked your burner. I don't know. Maybe you um, have, actually. You know, look, this is the tail end of a podcast that, you know, at this point people may have tuned out of. We'll take any and all <laughs> feedback, right? Like if, if there's stuff you want us to talk about, let us know. Stuff you don't want us to talk about, let us know. Um, and, and I know you were joking, but to that point, like if you think we suck, tell us why. Don't just say that. That doesn't help us get any better. 
Um, well, I maybe can't change my voice. This is what it is. So yes, that's also true. Like yeah. I, you know, have a nasally voice. I don't know what to tell you about that. Yeah. Like I, I can't fix that for you. Um, but I have tight vocal cords. You know, if 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 there there is legitimate criticism or stuff like that, like let us know. Try to put it in a, you know, constructive manner, right? Um, but that, that is one of those things, like sometimes in those, you know, the, the live YouTube chats or whatever, we appreciate everybody watching and, and commenting, but if you hate us, tell us why, you know, maybe we can get better, right? Like, un unless you don't have no interest in well, us you're getting in better, a but chipper like, mood today. You're you know? in a good mood today. Well, I, I mean, it's true though, right? Like, tell us why we suck. You know, we, we like it. If, if it can be constructive, right? Yeah. Everybody can always get better. And if you actually mean it and you have a constructive thought hit us with it, you know, or if you have a positive thought, hit us with it. We always need an ego boost. I like getting my ego inflated. So you look good today. Thanks. Not from yeah. why well, I mean, I get it from you all the time. We need it from from other people. Okay. Um, but regardless, uh, we do appreciate you listening or watching however you're consuming the CHGO Cubs podcast. Uh, Brendan and I will be with you next Friday. As I said, don't forget to tune in at 120 every day on the CHGO Sports YouTube page for Luke, Cody, and Ryan, the rest of the CHGO Cubs team. I think they have some more interviews lined up for next week, so it should be a good slate of shows uh, for next week. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Brendan and I will talk to you next week. Uh, and whether we are uh, battling out a September collapse or watching a bunch of former players try to win a World Series in Philadelphia, as always, go Cubs. <laughs> go Cubs. <laughs> 